0: My name is Scott McMillan. I'm the managing director of Invictus Energy Limited. Our asset consists of a Special Grant 4571 located in the north of Zimbabwe. We are drilling the world class Makuyu prospect uh, from August 2022, which is targeting 20 trillion cubic feet and 850 million barrels of condensate in seven stack targets.
1: Scott, good to see you. Um, We had a great conversation with you um, back in April about the, the, um, well, technical analysis and due diligence, we called it. We really kind of got stuck into it. Appreciated uh, you doing that with us. And I want to talk to you about the market uh, more broadly for energy because it seems to be a very, very hot topic at the moment. But first, we'd better get an update from you. You put some information out a couple of weeks
0: ago, or a few weeks ago. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you now know? Sure. So, following up from from our discussion in in April, we've had ERCE, who is an independent consultant, um, provide us with an updated prospective resource estimate for our Makuyu prospect. So, previously, based on the mobile data that that we had reinterpreted and and, and reprocessed, that was 8.2 trillion cubic feet and 247 million barrels of condensate. Subsequently, with the seismic data that we acquired at the end of last year over a much finer grid, which has given us a lot of a a lot more detailed picture, that's been upgraded now to 20 trillion cubic feet and 845 million barrels of condensate. So, roughly 4.3 billion barrels of oil equivalent, which is a world class target and, uh, you know, very, very enticing to chase onshore for a very, very Modest cost.
1: Well, yeah. Well, it might be. It might be kind of going over, over a little bit of old ground in the sense that you know this is not like mining. Um, we're well. You were talking about drilling two holes imminently. One, I don't know there's a drake uh, at site at the moment for the first hole. But what's the work that happens above ground um, before you actually get the
0: drills turning? Look, it's a hugely uh, involved process to get to the you know to, to start drilling. So it takes. You know, probably years worth of planning to get to that point. You've got long leads to secure casing wellheads. Um, you've got to obviously contractor rig and um, no, no oil and gas rigs um, that have been anywhere near Zimbabwe uh, in, the, in the previous future. You've got to identify um, the, the prospect that you want to drill, uh, the well trajectory that you want to drill, develop your drilling program. Uh, construct a well pad and then the logistics to move in all of that oil field equipment is, um, is something to behold. Um, you know, this has been a truly international effort from, from our team. We've sourced equipment from, you know, virtually every, every continent on the planet, bar South America to get, um, to get lined up for this program.
1: Yeah, so uh, logistics uh, uh, absolutely. But even, but even before that, I'm, just, I'm sort of I'm intrigued by the sort of updated pres- perspective at uh, resource um, data wow. that you put out. You did a, a lot of seismic work, so you know, in terms of um, how you approach something like that and what you're looking for, and w- whether you're doing two D, three D seismic, I mean, how much time, money, etc. is involved in that?
0: Sure. So the, the the basis of the seismic program that we shot last year was to go and, and collect infill data. Uh, to, to infill between the the old mobile data that we had that was shot in 1990, and th- that was 15 to 20 kilometer line spacing. So you know a lot of uh, a lot of gaps to be filled in between uh, those existing lines. So we infilled that to about 1.7 kilometers. The technology of, of seismic acquisition um, has changed quite a lot since you know in the last 30 years since mobile acquired their survey. So even though our surveys were, were sort of similar in terms of their length, the data density that we acquired. From our survey was about 200 times greater than what mobile acquired so it allowed us to to, to view the subsurface in far more uh, detail so we've been able to pick out new horizons and and new targets within the Makuyu prospect even though you know it's this enormous feature 200 square kilometers under closure and we had coverage from that previous mobile grid infilling it though has really um, changed changed our view of it and changed the prospectivity and the risk. Um, of it as well. So there were a few reasons behind what, what we needed to do to, to go and shoot that infill. Um, 2D onshore is not, you know, is, is relatively cost effective. Um, we spent, um, I think for our 840 kilometer program about, uh, $6 million, uh, acquiring that. The processing is about, you know, typically for seismics about 10% of that cost. And then, you know, the interpretation in house, um, roughly from when we started the seismic program in, um, I think uh, second half of last year to drilling, we've moved pretty quickly. You know, so often companies would take um, a little while longer to, to sit and interpret uh, data. We've we've had the luxury of having that mobile data set that we've been able to work off and, and move pretty quickly and commit to drilling it was an enormous prospect. So,
1: but it's a, it's a really large land package, and you can blow a lot of money uh, quite easily. Um, so, in, t- in terms of those sort of trapping rocks or those hosting rocks that you're you're. Looking for what's the difference between these of the two D work, which some people say is absolutely perfectly good enough for doing what you're doing, and others saying, well, actually, look, with a little bit more money and a little bit more certainty is given um, with three D drilling. So, what's the difference between the two?
0: Sure. So, 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 uh, two dimensional seismic as opposed to three dimensional seismic. Um, obviously, three D gives you a, a much greater picture. Onshore, three D is 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 um, a lot more expensive to acquire. And I think probably the key difference here of us doing 2 d first versus 3 d is we are you know we're hunting big structural targets so something that has pl- robust closures um, robust trapping mechanisms and not anything subtle from a stratigraphic point of point of view that that needs just a little pinch point that you don't quite have mapped in 3d might fall in between the in the spaces of the 2 d lines to you know to um, Provide a failure mechanism and a, and a a leak point for that, for that particular prospect. So, you know, we're, 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 we're of the opinion if you're going into a frontier basin, you need to be, you know, elephant hunting, which is what we're, you know, what we're doing. And you need to, to drill those big structural prospects first. And that's how, you know, historically big fields have been found, uh, because they're not subtle. You can view them on 2D and you don't need, um, you know, very, very fine 3D coverage to, um to identify them in the first place. Right. But again,
1: and again, this is for a kind of a big audience of people and perhaps looking in you know, if have not invested in oil and gas space before, uh, because you want to attract new money. Um so people who may be used to mining, drilling um when you sort of um you know chasing metals or minerals, um a lot cheaper, can be, you know, um no no less shallow, but it, it's typically a lot lot cheaper. I mean the the cost of the two holes that you're um looking to do eminently is, is what?
0: So Makuyi One, the the first well that we will be drilling in the program, um, and that goes to a depth of around three and a half thousand meters that that we're drilling. That's approximately sixteen and a half million uh, US dollars. Um, the shallower basin margin well uh, that we plan plan to drill following that is, um, you know, sort of sub two thousand meters and roughly ten and a half million US. Right. So we're talking orders of magnitude difference compared to mineral exploration. So okay. that's why you've got to do a lot of that. Seismic work first to identify the right um, the right prospects to drill and the right well trajectories to drill to make sure that you test those targets.
1: Right. So I mean, given that, that means you've got to go hunting for your best target first because no one, you know, no one wants a duster. But sometimes in in with with um, mining, you can just sort of test the edges of the envelope, as it were, just trying to understand of your hypothesis here. Because of market um, demands, you're gonna to need to you know, hit it out of the gate, aren't you? So, how do you how do you go about that kind sort of targeting regime? Whether you're chasing multiple layers or, 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 or say, like a,
0: a big hit out of the gate. So, fortunately for us, we inherited a fantastic uh, dataset that mobile left behind when they explored the basin in, in the, the 1990s, and they they did identify this big anti anticline. So, an anti-climb is a big dome structure, the, the, the structural targets that um, that we were referring to earlier. Enormous feature. It's two hundred square kilometers under closure, the largest underlaid structure in onshore Africa. But the reason that Mobile left it alone um, in the early '90s was because there was no market for gas at at that stage, and they thought that the that the basin, the the, the petroleum system in the Cabo basin, uh, was more gas prone as opposed to oil prone, and so. You know, there'd been onshore discoveries in Mozambique that still hadn't been monetized by that stage. And so they saw very little point in trying to, you know, to find more gas with um, and, and and continue on to the exploration um, drilling. So we we took that mobile data set, um, you know, and, and and when we took it over, we just had the paper sections um, to work over. And you can still see the, the you know, that anti stick out on those paper sections. But we were lucky that we also inherited the field tapes. We reprocessed those, um, cleaned that data up, identified that big Makuyu structure as well as these interesting uh, structural features along the, the, the basin margin that we've, um, you know, in, in in the second play that we're planning to test, which look more akin to your East African Rift system and these sort of smaller three-way closures up against the basin-bounding fault, a lot like you've had in the Lockachar Basin where where companies like Tullo and Africa Oil have been very successful. And so using that mobile data, we were able to refine the infill seismic program that we went and shot last year to make sure that we're, we're, we're chasing the right targets and getting data over these, these um, you know, the best margins were leads at that point, so not really mature enough to be prospects. And and then also infill um, those lines in between the Makuyu prospect to make sure that we could develop the right well trajectory because we've got stacked targets and we want to intersect those in the right locations to to, to test the um. The Makuyu prospect in in the best possible way and give ourselves the best chance of success.
1: Right. So, and how do you go about this in in, in terms of again? Because you, you got to talk to the market here, yeah, and they've they've got to see that you guys are you know they like say you know hitting hitting it first time. The first drill um, is going after Mikuyu Second drill is is doing is, is looking for what a, a different target a new target a new discovery or is it are you doing something to enhance the the first
0: drill no so so the reason that we wanted to drill two wells is to test two independent targets right.
1: but why is why is and that why is that why is that why is that
0: safe why is that
1: good because you know do you know I'm trying to work out to the extent of what you know after the first drill site like say you hit sure. hydrocarbons. Immediately, how do you know
0: the extent of that? The scale of that? When you're exploring a frontier basin and there's no there's no well data to calibrate any of your seismic, and you, you know that first well is going to tell us a lot of information whether whether we're successful or not because we're we're going to we're going to have the um, the data from the well to to really help pin down what our seismic data is 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 actually telling us. If we are successful, we've obviously got very very good problems, champagne problems. I like to call them. And that will allow us to then look at the play fairway further away from us in in the basin and identify the similarities of of in, in the same play trend of prospects that will then follow up from where Makuyu is. So we've got two two different play types. And a play type consists of your, your petroleum system elements, source rock, reservoir, seal, and trap. So some of them are are, are similar, but others are are different and 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 the trap for these two different plays is, is is different and um, there's probably an additional source rock uh, element in the base and margin play as well so so drilling two wells and testing the same type of play if the first one is unsuccessful then and we we think we've drilled the best one, then you know it's very hard to justify following up the same play type with the second well but testing um, another play type. That even if the first one fails, we still can have uh, some success in, in in a different play time, which will then, you know, if either of them are successful, will unlock running room for prospects um, that are, are belong to that to that uh, that play.
1: Right. And and do you have this opportunity? I mean, you're going down quite a, quite a way. So do you have an opportunity of like heading, you know, different horizons on your way down to
0: the larger target? And and what, what does that information tell you? Yeah. So. We're very fortunate in the space in where we 've got stacked prospectivity so a number of a number of um, of horizons that that will draw through so in makuyu we've got seven stacked targets uh, to test and success at any one of those will you know will be from the sort of volumes that we're talking in any one of those horizons will will, will be transformational um, and the same in the base of margin play and if you and we're not going to get into probabilistic um, aggregation here um, but the more targets you have, the more chances of success um, that you have, and the greater of your overall chance of success in at least one of those horizons um, th- through through having multiple prospects. Probably the best analogy to give would be rolling um, rolling a dice, where if you've got one chance to you know say you want to, to try and roll the number six, you've got um, you know one in six chance of of rolling a six. If you've got you know seven targets like we do in Makuyu one. And you just need to roll one six out of those seven, seven targets, you know, your odds of success are, are much, much greater. So that's why we've selected these prospects to go and drill those stack targets to try and test as many horizons as possible to give us the maximum chance of, of success and unlock this basin. Because if the petroleum system does work, it doesn't work in isolation. If you look at the North Sea, you know, all of those discovery trends, you don't just find one field. In isolation, you find you find a lot of them in the basin. Right,
1: right. Well, let, let's try and um, help me and people watching this try and understand the, the scale of it because you know the, the numbers are big. We're talking about I think some sort of ninety CF last last time we talked and 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 a bunch of condensate as well. And, and, and I think you've got the you've got a contract in place with Sable. Is that right for twenty years or is, is that? Yet to be
0: signed off. So, so the the gas you that we have in place with several chemicals, a fertilised manufacturer, is um, is for twenty years. That that obviously is predicated on a sure. on a commercial discovery, <laughs> right? Um, so that that's um, around five hundred and ten billion cubic feet, so half a trillion cubic feet. What's worth that worth over what's, twenty years?
1: What's that worth in dollars? Give me sense of quantum.
0: Look, the, 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 pricing is, is, is confidential under our contract, but to, to, to indicate, you, you know, we'll just, we'll just use some, some numbers for, for ease. So if you take a, um, you know, South African domestic gas prices at the moment of, of what's being used there, uh, at $10 uh, an MCF, 510, uh, BCF, uh, you know, is worth uh, around about $5 billion over, over the course of 20 years.
1: Right. Okay. So you you have a well. That's I appreciate it's all confidential. but Potentially that that's a, that's a big a big contract. But that's just one one bit of what you hope to find in your and well with your land package there. Um, you've raised some money, twelve million bucks or so, back in May. Um, if these two holes hit, what's your view of the, your ability to actually get? Raise money in this market because most people are kind of looking at this moment in time now. Okay, it, it's risk off. People are hoarding their cash. it Doesn't look like people are too confident about what's happening in the marketplace. But there's an energy crisis too. So how do how do you feel about this
0: environment? The environment for for Invictus um, in particular, um, I, I think we've we've enjoyed some tremendous support from our shareholders and, and institutional investors. And I think what the appeal of, of Invictus is is, is the the size of the prize and the potential of what we're chasing here, from, from an exploration point of view, to have something like this, you know, 20 TCF and, and 845 million barrels of condensate and just the one prospect, and, and have an 80% equity um, holding it at the moment is very, very um, rare to, to find. So, from a from an exploration point of view, typically that's been the hardest um, part to fund traditionally for, for for juniors because of the risk associated with it. But I think the risk reward balance For Invictus is one of these, you know, very very um, uh, rare events. So, if we do discover something, um, and we can unlock the full scale of it, and you know, if it's a multi-TCF discovery, we're we're looking at a at a long development period. We've got rich markets not only in Zimbabwe but in the rest of the region with uh, the Southern Africa Power Pool, you know, providing gas-fired power to not only Zimbabwe but South Africa as well which is experiencing you know um, economic growth being constrained by by the lack of power so we've got the ability to to, to put uh, gas to wire um, across the region into a huge pool and, and and monetize it relatively quickly and and inexpensively we're not having to build pipelines everywhere it's um, you know it's quite modest from an infrastructure point of view and Weaning south africa with coal fired power um as well as a is a side benefit as well from a from a carbon emission standpoint so you know i think if if we if we are successful developing this project and raising money for it is not is not um, not going to be too much of a concern on 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 our end i think we're going to have um we've had preliminary discussions with some of the multi multilateral institutions there who are looking at this very closely because this is you know uh one of the potential energy silver bullets for the region if we're successful.
1: It's interesting. Obviously, you have heard earlier to um, mobile saying, "Well, actually, we don't need to develop uh, Zimbabwe because we've got all of this onshore, offshore gas um, over at Mozambique." And but that was, you know, a while ago. What, are, nearly three decades ago. Um, those fields are maturing now, and, and or, or maybe there will be additional investment in it. But it has not been a sort of investment environment for certainly the last sort of ten years for oil and gas um, in, in any meaningful way. Do you expect? Um, Mozambique to come come back online do you think the investment will will um, be put into Mozambique and how will that affect your ability to well, I guess one raise capital and and, and to you know ability to sell your product into market
0: yeah so from from the Mozambique perspective panned um, the, the the fields that supply now hundred percent of South Africa's gas um, consumption. Are very mature. They've been they've been on stream since two thousand and two, and they come off plateau um, at the end of this year. And South Africa has become addicted to to cheap gas um, and 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 gas that is you know not like Europe did. Um, um, but um, now with those fields maturing, there's a real supply crisis brewing in, in South Africa, and the energy um, the USAID, who are, um, run a group called Energy um, Energy Africa. Predict that there will be a one billion cubic feet per day shortfall um, in South Africa by 2030, which is you know enormous. It's it's this, the same amount that's consumed uh, in the entire east coast of Australia from you know, so that's manufacturing, residential, um, et cetera. And for around those fields, there's been a lot of drilling over the last um, you know sort of ten years, looking for additional supply to bring into the into the gas market in South Africa, but so far it's been been unsuccessful. So they' they're really at a, at a crossroads now where they're looking at LNG imports for for South Africa. And you know, during COVID that when, when gas prices and LNG prices fell to you know three dollars, um, that looked like a, a sound strategy, similar kind of pricing to gas that they're sourcing from Montreal Mozambique. But now with LNG prices the way they are, South Africa is going to be competing um, against Europe and Asia for for LNG. Which means that um, you know you're talking of prices north of, of twenty dollars now, which is unaffordable in in South Africa. So I think a, a solution like ours, where where we can provide long term take or pay contracts um, that that will supply the South African domestic market. We're not looking to export. We think there's plenty of opportunity in in Southern Africa. I think is is um, is something that'll be. That is desperately needed, and and will be really welcomed um, in the region.
1: Right, and and the the whole the whole kind of um, Russia Ukraine situation, Russia Nord Stream one and two into into Europe. I mean that it. it it's a very hot topic at the moment because prices across Europe have risen significantly, significantly to the point where people's disposable income, discretionary spend, has been affected greatly because they're, they're focused on heating their houses or you know putting fuel in their cars to get to work, etc. What What do you think the knock-on effect is for Africa, if any?
0: Look, the the knock-on effect for Africa, I think potentially could be really positive out of the situation, and and that really is due to the fact that there are a lot of undeveloped. Um, Gas discoveries, particularly offshore. Um, you know, we've still got um, the, the, the fields in northern Mozambique to come online. Look, a lot of those volumes are contracted um, out already for the first 10 years. But certainly in West Africa, there's a huge amount of, of undeveloped gas. And the reason that it's been undeveloped is because the prices have been too low um, and the market's too narrow to, to really justify an offshore uh, development and then LNG trends. So I think in you know africa can really be a winner now for for places like europe looking for long term supply alternatives from um, you know from russia and the development of that energy industry will then also bring in domestic gas because often there's a, dom- a compulsory domestic market obligation that come along with with energy development so those developments will then put in gas into into those local economies you know whether it's angola whether it's um, senegal and really help the industrialization of those economies as well and, and, and the electrification of them, because you know, Africa is desperately short of power. Um, 640 African million Africans don't have access to electricity, you know, and that's a situation that's got to change if, if, um, the continent's going to realize its potential.
1: Right. Okay. And, and uh, talk to me about Zimbabwe, because obviously it's had a sort of checkered, um, past in terms of international foreign direct investment perception anyway. What's the new government, um, doing? Is it behaving?
0: Look, it's it it has been a change from um, you know from the previous regime and particularly in the latter half of the of the Mugabe era, where there were some very very draconian investment policies that were brought in. Um, you know that that really um, not prohibited foreign investment, but made it you know virtually impossible um, to do so. So so the new government has brought in investor friendly reforms, trying to attract foreign investment back into the country. And that's beginning to pay dividends. You know, we've seen, um, we've seen a lot of new investment, um, come in from the uh, existing companies, the, the platinum miners, for example, and, uh, Amplats, Anglo-American. Um, we've, um, had seen a, a new stainless steel plant be manufactured, uh, that's going to require a lot of, um, you know, a lot of electricity and, and, and a lot of gas. Um, to get up and running. Um, we've seen Lithium transactions now take place where we've had an ASX company over here, Prospect Resources, who developed a Lithium project and have successfully sold it after a, after a um, you know, quite a competitive bidding process. So I think the doors have been opened again and, um, and people have realised that, um, that it is possible to do investment in Zimbabwe.
1: Right, okay. And I, I just kind of want to finish off in terms of um, helping investors understand how companies like yours progress. Through that, those different sort of stepping stones to you know greatness. You, you guys are all kind of blue chip chip, Woodside uh, etc. Um, I with if these two um, um, drills hit what you think they're going to hit, how do you go through the fundraising process? You know, and at what point do you need to bring in significant, um, well, significant balance sheet to help or other types of money? Because you're not going to keep dilating shareholders. In in
0: perpetuity. So, how how does it work? Look, I think I think the strategy from from a post discovery scenario would be to to bring in uh, a development partner for that. And for the for the size of of the potential that we're talking about, if it's anywhere near that, you know, because of the upside, we'll be able to get a significant portion of that funding uh, paid for through 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 a partner that comes into the project. Because, uh, you know, again, the the amount of equity that we that we currently have. And what's um, you know what can be funded with the sell down on, on, on our part will be um, I, I think I think the balance sheet problems won't won't be an issue. We've got a lot of the other multilateral institutions, you know, Africa Development Bank, Africa Finance Corporation. Because of the integrated nature of this project, with electricity for the region, with fertilizer production for the region, we'll be able to access you know very um, concessional um, you know type loans to get this development off the ground because it is so strategic to the development of the region. So, you know, I think in that case will will be okay. And there's always, you know, probably the the Harbin resources scenario where something like this that is so strategic and so large, um, you know, will attract uh, um, some M&A uh, attention as well.
1: Right, okay. Um so okay, let's let's finish off with them so the timings obviously um, drill rig at site on site at the moment. You're going to be drilling in August, you say. Um, how quickly does that information then feed back into the market in terms of the, the, the whatever you
0: discover? Sure. So, so Exalo's Rig 202 is on on site at the moment and, and rigging up. Um, they've got a little bit of maintenance work to do before we um, commence the drilling. So, at this stage we're looking at, um, you know, from around about mid August or so, depending on on how long their, their maintenance program takes. makuyu One, um, we think, is a 45 to 60 day well, you know, based on on, on the targets that we're drilling. Uh, probably a little bit longer in a success case because we will have to do a lot of logging and and, and fluid sampling and and um, and, and core cutting as well sidewall cores, and um, that will because we 've got seven stack targets we 've got you know we 've got news flow all the way through the well so it 's not just you know one target that 's typically found towards the the deeper ends or, or the deeper sections of your of your drilling program we've got um you know, our, our first target, the the 200 horizon, that's you know roughly 850 meters beneath the surface. So that'll come up, you know, probably in the first two to three weeks um, of drilling. Okay. So we'll be drilling. Um, uh, once the Makuu well is 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 completed, then uh, assess those results and then um, and then onto the base margin well. Okay,
1: fantastic. Okay, well, something to look forward to. Um, best of luck with that. Appreciate you coming on today and letting us know what's going on. Uh, exciting times. Matt, thanks for having me.